Hey there, and welcome to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so glad that you joined me today. This podcast is for neurodivergence by a neurodivergent. I'm an ADHD coach with ADHD and ASD, and I am here to help. So let's spend some time together now and maybe learn a few things. Hi, friends, and welcome back to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and this week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about why socializing is hard when you have ADHD. And for my autistic listeners out there, I will be doing an episode on the autism side of this challenge as well. But I did want to let you guys know that this episode is a little special. I'm trying to post more content on my YouTube, and so this episode actually is featured as a video with visuals over on YouTube. A lot of the episode is going to sound the same because a lot of this audio is pulled from that video because I realized having that additional visual aid could be really beneficial. So we'll try this for a few episodes and see how it goes. But while you're here, don't forget to push that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And if you're interested in learning more tips and tricks, I post tons of them over on my Instagram and my TikTok page, both under the ADHD Lady. And don't forget to check me out over on YouTube, also under the ADHD Lady. And of course, there's my website, theadhdlady.org for more coaching resources. Check it out. But I'm very excited to spend this episode with you guys. Let's dive in. Hey friends, it is the ADHD lady. And this week, what we're going to talk about is social skills and ADHD. Um, So I have an entire course on this. So what I want to start with is just an overview of what some of the struggles are so that you guys know you're not alone. Um, That's one of the biggest things that I like to bring across in my content is that I've had this experience. I have clients that have had this experience. It's not just you. You're not the only one struggling with this. So know that I want to normalize that for you. And I hope that this chat today can provide you some insight into, you know, you're not just a screwed up, lazy, crappy friend. We all run these horrible narratives of ourselves in our heads. I know it because I've been there. I've done it. It's, it sucks. We're so mean to ourselves. And that's because of years and years and years of trauma and messing up because we're living in a society that isn't built for us. (laughs) So let's dive into what some of those social struggles might be. So let's talk about it. (laughs) Socializing is hard when you have ADHD. Let's first talk about society having high expectations. So we are living in a neurotypical society. What we're expected to do in how we socialize in the cues that are, you know, normalized within our society is all based on neurotypicals where they make eye contact without discomfort or, you know, on the ADHD end, it really comes down to more of the, oh, I am too distracted to stare at your eyes right now. And for a lot of us, if we're making direct eye contact, but we're not fidgeting and we're not like playing with a fidget toy or something, the chances are pretty good that we're not actually listening to what's happening because we've gone internal. And that's something that you guys should all be aware of is that for ADHDers, ways that we kind of go through that boredom seeking can be external or internal. So if you are looking to stay present and to not go to that like to-do list in your head or the shame spiral in your head or the trying to remember so hard that you're not listening to anything else going inside, then try to create that 
external. So have the fidget toy walk around as you're doing, you know, having that conversation, um, do an activity together so that you can be more present in that moment. Um, you know, and when we're doing something else with our hands or with our body, it can give us some of that stimulation that we're seeking out instead of going internally and then losing what's going on in the moment. But there are so many expectations that are just really unrealistic for neurodivergent people, not even just ADHDers, but for autistic people, for people who have depression and anxiety and Tourette's and so many other neurodivergencies. Um, and the funny thing is, and something that I say all the time, especially with my coaching clients, is that neurodivergent strategies work for everyone. Neurotypical strategies work for neurotypicals. So why are we doing it that way? Okay, let's keep going. Object permanence can happen with people. So object permanence isn't really the right word here. However, <laughs> um, it's kind of the best thing we have right now. Um, the relationship side tends to be more of an object constancy issue rather than like true object permanence. But the reality is out of sight, out of mind happens within our relationships. It can happen with our best friend. It can happen with our parents, with our siblings, with our cousins. Oh my gosh, that aunt that you only see at Christmas once a year, you're definitely going to forget she exists because that's it. Unless they're right there constantly on your social media feed. If they're not in front of us, we're not going to remember. And a lot of that also comes down to us not remembering to reach out. Um, you know, we, we do struggle with planning time together because planning and prioritizing is an executive function and uh, ADHDers, we struggle with our executive functions. That's really the root of the condition. It's more of an executive functioning disorder than it is an attention or hyperactivity disorder. Those are presentations that go along with that executive dysfunction, but executive dysfunction is really at the core of what most ADHDers struggle with. And that planning and prioritizing is a piece of it. So prioritizing that, oh, I haven't talked to this friend in a while, I should probably call them, is not something our brain always processes through. Um, unless we've seen the picture of the friend. And then it's like, oh, I haven't called them in a while. And maybe then we'll remember. But if there isn't that visibility, forget it. And just a side note, that visibility goes into other things too. So if you're trying new strategies for your ADHD, if you're not making those strategies visible, whether it's a post-it note, whether it's a reminder in your phone, whether it is having a friend say, hey, did you do it this way? Did you try different instead of harder? If we're not creating visibility to remind us of the things that we're trying to do and change, we're not going to be able to change it because of that object permanence, out of sight, out of mind. And especially when we're trying to work with neuroplasticity and make those changes happen, we're fighting against really, really strong pathways, friends. So getting through that, that's a lot of work. And um, it takes time and we're going to fail. I know that you don't want to hear that. I know that the perfectionists out there listening, which is most ADHDers, because if you've listened to my podcast, you know that uh, perfectionism is really common with ADHD. Um, and it doesn't look exactly how people think perfectionism looks. <laughs> but 
Um, no, when we're trying new things, we're going to fail. We are. It's part of the neurotype because we're fighting against these really, really strong pathways. Okay. So here is my like super, I'm not a neuroscientist. I'm not, you know, in that field, but <laughs> my super simplified version of what neuroplasticity is. You ready for it, friends? You've got this big, thick, strong pathway. Imagine your hand like flat out. Okay. And then your pinky finger is the new neural pathway and it's fighting really hard to form. But this big, thick pathway is the one that we're used to. It's the one that our brain automatically relies on. So yeah, it might go to that little itty bitty pathway and try that out, but the big one's going to win until the little one starts to get stronger. So we're going to go in this pattern of back and forth between the old and the new until eventually the new is thicker and stronger and the old one can die out. So as you're trying these new things, as you're breaking through, you know, the ways that you've socialized for years and years and years, as you are trying new ADHD strategies with any of it, we're using that neuroplasticity. So it's going to take time and it might work for like the first week because it's new and it's exciting. And our brain is going to be more engaged in that. But after that first week, that's when it starts to get hard. The novelty is worn off and ADHD brain is motivated by what? Ah, newness and novelty, challenge, interest, urgency. It is not motivated by reward and consequence just because we need to change things because we know that, oh, if I don't change the way I'm managing my finances, I'm going to lose my house. That on its own, the consequence of losing the house isn't a great motivator. The urgency of the bank just gave me notice and I need to figure this out, that is a better motivator for an ADHD brain. Now, I will say, though, that does not mean that our brains can't learn to be motivated by other things. It doesn't mean that our brains can't be motivated intrinsically. But when we're trying to work through that task initiation and the other pieces of executive dysfunction, we need to know how our brain functions. We need to know what it's motivated by. And we need to utilize that to help us build in these new strategies and new ways of doing things for our brain. Okay. Talked about that enough. Now let's get back to why socializing is hard. So we talked about how we struggle to plan time together, but part of that struggle too, is the forgetting, you know, our working memory sucks just because something pops into your head. If you don't take action within five seconds, it's going away, it's gone. And action doesn't need to be that you actually go and send that text message to the friend. If you don't have the space to do that right now, action is just giving yourself that reminder because as much as it sucks, when you have ADHD, you need to have some sort of written reminders. It's not like our brain is just magically going to turn over and then all of a sudden have this wonderful working memory. Um, we can build up those skills too. We can improve our working memory. There are exercises that we can be doing to help with that. But the reality of it is that that also takes time. So in the meantime, as much as we don't want to take out a pen and paper and write things down, it's something that we have to do. If you don't want to write it down on pen and paper, though, we have so much technology that can help us. So let's say you remember out of the blue, oh my gosh, so-and-so's birthday is this weekend. 
pull out your phone and put it in as an event for later that night to go to Target and get the birthday gift. If you remember, oh shoot, I haven't reached out to my mom in a week. Talk to your Google or she who shall not be named and tell it to send you a reminder later to put it in your phone for you. We have the tools. And yes, I know there's all the conspiracy of like, oh, but they're always listening. Quite honestly, I use my Google like crazy because whether they're listening or not, it doesn't really matter. I'm not that interesting. I'm not plotting, you know, anything crazy that the government is going to swarm my house. That's not what's happening. What I talk to my Google about is like, you know, play in Kanto for the thousandth time, play this podcast. Oh, set a timer for me so that I get upstairs to go to work at the correct time. Um, you know, set an alarm for me. Like those are things that I use my Google for. So really whatever the, the little spy inside of my computer, Hey, I, I hope you enjoy learning about ADHD and autism. <laughs> okay. So we forget, and that can create other challenges within forming relationships. Heck, we can even forget their name right in the beginning of having conversations with them. So it's okay to be who you are. Um, I've done this recently and it was scary and hard at first, but then I was like, you know what? It was the right thing to do. So I met a new person and like a few minutes into the conversation, I forgot their name. And instead of just trying to hope that someone else said it eventually, um, what I did was I just said, you know what? I'm so sorry. You know, I'm terrible with names. I love having this conversation with you, but I already forgot your name. Can you say it to me again so I can try to better remember it? And then they shared their name and I was like, okay, um, you know, I might ask you another two or three times. It's not a personal thing. It's just something that I struggle with. You know what? they were fine with it. They didn't judge me for it. You know, who knows? Maybe they did think something in the back of their head, but in reality, it doesn't matter because if someone is going to sit there and be judgmental of me and be negative like that, you know, if they did say something mean about it, like, okay, then that just means I'm not going to have a relationship with that person because I can set that boundary. I'm allowed to say, okay, well, you don't like me, then fine. We can be respectful and kind to one another if we ever have to interact, but otherwise like we don't need to be besties. That's okay. You don't have to like me. You don't have to be judgment free of me. I try to be as judgment free as I can be because I know that other people are struggling, especially in these last two years, people who weren't struggling before a lot of us are now. I was struggling way more before the pandemic. <laughs> It's amazing because I kind of had a reverse effect from COVID. I have grown so much because of it, um, because I've had the opportunity to work on myself and to figure out where I fit. Um, but I know that's not everyone's experience. All right. So back to it. Social cues. Can you see the ADHD coming out? Can you see it? All right, cool. <laughs> so we miss social cues. So on the ADHD side, the missing social cues is different than if you were autistic. With ADHD, the reason that we tend to miss social cues is because we're distracted. So we're looking over there at that uh, cool piece of art on the wall and talking about the cool piece of art on the wall and going on and on and on. And because we're looking over there and we're distracted, we don't see our friend rolling their eyes because we've been talking about it for 20 minutes, the same thing over and over 
repeating the same facts because we forgot that we already said it because our work memory sucks too. Yeah. So that's the big reason why we miss social cues because we're not in that present moment. We're constantly battling between living in past, present, and future simultaneously. ADHD brains are very nonlinear. Um, so that can create struggles for us. Uh, we can be very impulsive in conversations where we might just get really excited. A lot of the times it's what it is. Someone's talking about something that we're passionate about, or we really want to talk about and we interrupt and oops. No, I'm sorry. Cause maybe we do notice then finally, because we are in the moment, cause we're so excited and our brain is so engaged. Oh, I just cut you off. That can get frustrating to some people. There are ways to interrupt that neurotypicals do. So they're just a little sneakier about it. So an ADHD will jump in and be like, oh yeah, I know that was so cool. I loved that part of the movie and cut the other person off. Or we might cut them off because we're so worried that we're going to forget. So we just like jump in and say it because it might not exist otherwise. Neurotypicals interrupt too. It is not just an ADHD thing, but they interrupt in more clever ways. They have more of a segue to the interruption. So it'll be like a, an agreement to what you were just saying. So let's say you're talking about a movie. Oh yeah, that's so interesting. You know, I thought this thing about that movie and blah, 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 blah. So it's not, doesn't seem as impulsive because they're not jumping over us. They're not directly stopping the thought going into their own. They're acknowledging our thoughts and then backtracking it to theirs. So just an interesting thing to consider. Then we have the other trouble in conversations, which is listening in conversations. It's really freaking hard when you're battling your own brain constantly to stay focused. It's hard. It's hard to be an active listener in those moments, especially if you're not interested Oh my gosh, if someone is talking about something completely awful and boring, but like you need to learn it for work, what a nightmare to stay focused with. But this, this is where what I was talking about earlier can come in handy. Grab yourself something externally, grab a fidget toy, grab, you know, if you're at work and you don't want to uh, bring attention to the fact that you're fidgeting and you need something more discreet, they make fidget rings. This thing spins on my finger. This, when I was working in the school, this was a lifesaver for me because there were so many times where I was just stand, sitting there, you know, listening to a meeting that we had to sit in on and just playing with my fidget spinner. But also to be perfectly frank, I have had in services where I sat there and brought my crochet tools. Like I always had something to do during an in-service because I listened so much better when I didn't have to force eye contact on the speaker and when I didn't have to, you know, just sit there and try to fight it to sit and listen. Instead, I used the tools that I needed to. And this is before I was even diagnosed with ADHD. Completely changed everything. I absorbed so much more than so many other people who were just trying to focus in and couldn't. Um, but I was able to listen and absorb because I did what I needed to for me. You're allowed to have those accommodations, friends. I encourage it. Um, 
So yes, active listening, huge struggle. Um, so if you are struggling with listening, have that external stimulation to help your brain stay more engaged and present because you're getting that boredom seeking elsewhere. Another thing that ADHDers struggle with is transitions. And the reason that transitions are hard with ADHD is because transitions are opportunities for distraction. So let's say you're cleaning your kitchen and you come across something in the kitchen that needs to be in your bedroom upstairs. Well, if you leave the kitchen and transition out of that space and try to get into the bedroom to go put that thing away, you're probably not getting back to the kitchen to clean at least for another few hours or ever for that day um, because you're going to get into your bedroom and you're going to go put that thing away. And then you're going to see something else in the bedroom and go, oh my gosh, yeah, I never put away the laundry. That's right. And then as you're putting the laundry away, then you come across a towel in the laundry and then you have to go into the bathroom to put that towel into the bathroom. Then you notice that, oh my gosh, the kids got toothpaste all over the sink again. All right, well, let me clean that out. And then you notice that the cleaner for the sink is completely out. So then you have to go to the downstairs bathroom to get that cleaner and on your way to the downstairs bathroom, maybe you trip over a pair of the kids' shoes. And so then <laughs> you put the shoes on the rack. Do you see where I'm going with this? Transitions are chances for us to get distracted, to lose our train of thought and to go into something completely different. Transitions happen within relationships and our social experiences as well. Going from one bar to the next when you're hanging out with a group of friends, going from just sitting at the, the waiting area you know, of a restaurant to sitting at the table, those are transitions, but also transitions between topics too. Someone goes and changes the topic, but you didn't get to say the thing that you've been thinking in the back of your head for the last five minutes because you were trying to wait patiently. That might be a struggle for you as well. You are not alone. <laughs> and that brings me to my last point on why socializing is hard when you have ADHD. ADHDers have a strong desire to connect. A lot of us do tend to be pretty social beings deep down, but RSD can really prevent us from reaching out and making those connections no matter how badly we may want to. And especially if you have been told before that you're too much or you're too talkative or 25 of the other horrible things that come to mind right at this second, <laughs> I'm not gonna spew on those for too long because you're not that, you're not too much. And you know what? Maybe that one person did think you were too much, but they weren't your person then. You deserve to find your people. And something that I've really changed about how I form connections now is I really try not to hide who I am in the beginning anymore. I try to be very upfront with not just, you know, what is good about me, but also my struggles. I made a new friend recently and, you know, told them I'm not a great texter. I'm not, I have so much going on. If I open the, the text and the bubble's gone, then forget about it. I literally, like I will forget about it. <laughs> so, you know, I was very upfront about those things from the get-go. I also said, you know, I am an open book. Um, I'm autistic. So I overshare ADHDers tend to also overshare, um, because we get really passionate about things. So when you are living in a neurodivergent 
space, you tend to be able to do these things when you make connections with other neurodivergent people. I mean, when you're trying to make connections with neurotypicals, you might run into people who aren't okay with that. And then it's up to you if the thing that you're struggling with is something that really does need some accommodating. So, you know, if texting is something that's really, really important for your job, let's say, then you might need to set in a time of day, like two, three times a day where you go through all of the messages in your phone, just to double check that you've responded. That's an accommodation we can make for ourselves. That's something we can change and try different. Um, but if you, again, are friends with other people who also suck at texting, then, you know, they're going to get it. They're going to be okay with it. Probably most likely, unless it's like something super important. Um, but Hey, then there's also other options. If texting isn't the best method for you, maybe they call you on the phone. That's how I talk to my two best friends. I talk to them on the phone. Texting is not the best method for me. And they know that. And I know that. And so we try to be conscious of that. In between, we send each other Snapchats and, you know, I'll send them TikTok videos just to tell them I was thinking about them. But we have to figure out how to make those social connections in ways that are going to be the most functional for us, but also in ways that you don't have to hold yourself back because so many of us have had to hold back our whole lives because of that shame, because of that trauma. And that RSD only further enforces that feeling like we need to hold back, but that's exhausting. And people are missing out on the amazing person that you are when you hide that. So I hope that, you know, learning that you're not the only person having these struggles helps you in that way. I hope that you start to see how amazing you really are. Because if hating yourself made things change, you probably should have worked by now, huh? Hmm. I'm going to leave you on that for today. Thank you all for tuning in. If you are interested in learning more about ADHD and socializing and building up those social skills and building the self-growth that we kind of need with it, that confidence in ourselves, because um, that really is an important part of building those social skills. Um, I do have a webinar coming up on all of this. It is April 23rd and 24th from 12 to 4 Eastern Standard Time. If you can't attend the whole thing, though, you get the recording of it at the end of the whole weekend. Um, you also get all of the materials that I have spent hours and hours and hours building. There are worksheets, there are infographics, there are all the slides come with it too. You get a full copy of the slideshow um, in viewable format. So I hope, I hope, hope, hope that I get to see you all there. Um, and this is something that I do plan on creating a like 10 week course on so that you really get a chance to kind of break it down and we can dive even deeper um, than just the weekend webinar. But uh, if you are listening, um, I do have a uh, discount ticket available right now. There's only a limited supply. So jump on those while you can. Um, I have a bunch of other things in the works, groups, courses. Um, there's a great executive dysfunction webinar that I have with ADHD coach Sheila. Um, and that's coming up at the end of March. So please stay tuned. Um, 
these wonderful things to learn about your brain and how to work with it to try different and not harder. Thank you all again so much for joining me for another episode of Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. Now that the episode's done, don't forget to go over to theadhdlady.org to check out my coaching services and upcoming course like the social skills one and grab those discount podcast tickets while you can. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to press that subscribe button and throw a few stars out there if you enjoyed the episode. Next week, we're going to start talking about neurodivergent wellness. Thanks again for joining. This is Amanda signing off.